help us to understand and appreciate these times that we have with you. Uh, we want to hear from heaven, Lord, so I just ask you to uh, just do that. Impart to us what we need to know today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Uh, today I thought I'd talk to you about the offense of faith. The offense of faith. So that we can get an understanding of who we are, what we're doing, how we're doing it, etc., etc. Um, and what does that mean, the offense of faith? Man, really to walk by faith means to have total trust in God. Not just in some areas. You know, sometimes we, we want God to help us. <coughs> In, in certain things, but we get to a point where we don't really trust him as much as we should or trust him at all. We kind of pick it up, we grab the ball and run with it and we take it out of God's hands. But God wants to rule in every area of our lives. To not have him rule is really to not trust him and also to shortchange ourselves. So when we uh, talk about trusting God, it means to deny ourselves certain things. So when the Bible talks about picking up your cross every day and denying yourself, living by faith is part of self-denial. Even though we are receiving the benefit of the faith, but living by faith really means to trust in the invisible realm much more than the visible. And so, uh, when, when you, when you trust God or you walk by faith, it implies certain things that you must say to yourself. Number one, if you walk by faith, it means to trust God, which implies that you do not trust yourself. The Bible tells us to lean not to our own understanding. The other thing that it does is it denies the negative aspects of desire. It denies them access to your life. So say for instance when you trust God, like instead of fighting covetousness and fighting jealousy and fighting hatred and all just yield to God you understand what I'm saying and your fight is you've already laid down those weapons so you don't pick them up uh, you know just all of a sudden and you don't have you're not fighting like individual battles but you are laying down control of your life and allowing God to bring what he desires for you into your life. So that means trusting God. That means you gotta trust that God loves you and He wants the best for you and you're not being shortchanged because you don't have a say so in stuff. And this is very difficult for human beings because we are so accustomed to living in the land of lack where there's never enough and we feel like there's competition for everything. You always feel like you're fighting this and fighting that to get your needs met and fighting. You're not fighting anything. These things are already granted to us. If we would lay down our abilities and trust God, they would freely and easily come into our possession. Many times we think we're waiting too long. But we're really not because if you trust God, you believe that your needs are met already. But you don't trust his distribution process. 
So we don't trust that he knows what we need when we need it. He also gives us the desires of our hearts. So he's not skimping on anything. He wants to put abundance into our hands. But if we don't trust him to do that and bring them in as they're needed and desired. So we've, we, the whole thing is this. You gotta trust, you gotta trade in some of your desires for better things. You gotta trade up. So instead of saying, I need this and I need that, what you really need is more of God. So that in the absence of those things in the natural realm, you still have a contentment and a satisfaction. So it's like this, God, if I never get that, that dream house, or I never get the dream automobile, or I never get the this or the that, I know I have you. And that's more than enough. See, the God that we serve is more than enough. And sometimes you'll think and you say, when I'm starting to get crabby about just material things, I'm maybe not trusting that he himself is my portion. He is my sufficiency. He is my goodness in all things. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever think that that abundance of material things means that you have more faith or you have more in God than the next guy. We just make these decisions on how we want to spend our life and our time. Sometimes uh, a new car comes with payments. If you don't want the payments, you don't want the new car. You understand? Unless you can believe God to just give it to you. Now many people, he will do that for many of us. But we don't have the confidence in him to allow him to bring it in due season. We think... The faith that we need for certain things is going to take too long to build. And by the time we get the faith, we won't want it anymore. That's It is. It's what the flesh thinks. Now, you may not put it together like that, but that's the way your soul is responding to things. We just don't want to confess. We don't want to believe. We don't want to pray. We don't want to worship and thank God for it and not have any ability. Like strap your arms down. And have no ability to go out and grab these things yourself. We don't like that way of living. But it's that's really what faith is. So we're offended when we have to live by faith. Because that implies you don't trust yourself. The other thing that it, it implies is that you have to admit your lack and seek God only. So you've got to admit that you have no ability to bring these things into your life and trust God only. Now we can all go out and buy things. But we can't always get the things that we desire outside of God. There's always going to be something that you're going to need that you cannot supply yourself. I don't care what it is. It can be uh, something as simple as the right home at the right price. You know, you go out and you look at some houses and you, you, you're you in your heart. You're saying, well, my budget says I should do this and that and the other. But that's not available. Well, that's not true because God can make it for you. But what we have to do, part of the offense of faith, is admitting our inability when really we've told ourselves all of our lives that we have ability, that we can do it. 
And so you have to drop back and say to yourself, you know what, I really can't do this myself. I really do need God to do this for me. And see, whenever we have to admit lack, we're offended by it. Got me? Because lack comes from disobedience. And disobedience, anything that's in the line of the flesh and of sin, always brings offense. When we have to admit those things, we're offended. We'd rather make excuses. We'd rather say, oh, it was because of this or because of that, so forth and so on. But having to repent and admit our wrong is offensive to everybody. Nobody likes it. Amen. You get used to it, but your flesh doesn't like it. Your flesh would rather say, I'm competent. I'm, well, if I do things wrong, I don't mean to, you know, all of that to, to kind of pacify yourself. But, but see, when you, when you live by faith, you have to live with the offense that it will bring to you. Having to admit you don't know how to do it right. Having to omit you've got to wait on God. Having to admit you've got to, you're, there, there's some Things that you cannot do. We don't like to admit our weakness. The other thing that will cause the offense is you're going to have to live counter to the visible world. So you're going to have worldly ideas against you. You're going to have people with worldly ideas that come into your midst. They're going to be against you. You're going to have people questioning you. You're going to have the devil accusing you. So, And that becomes an offense to people. Sometimes we just want to blend in. You know, you just get tired of being the person everybody picks on all the time or, you know, out of the blue, out of nowhere, a challenge comes to your life and you know it's because you're trusting God in things. And so when we think about the offense of faith, it falls on those lines having to do with the fact that we have to admit our inability to do things. We always want to think we can do it. We just need a little bit of help from God. Or we need a little bit of help every now and then when we need a bailout or when it gets too tough or when we get sick in our bodies or something like that. But to live by faith means to live with yourself crucified every day. There are no times when God needs you to tell him what to do. There is no time when God needs you to take over things for him. Because he's doing it too slow or he doesn't care about these things or whatever, whatever excuse we bring to ourselves, we have to constantly fight this offense to the flesh man because that's who he is. You know, he is the enemy of God. So the carnal man experiences offense when we have to admit that God is better at these things than we are. We have to admit that we must trust him because he's a higher power. We have to trust him because his ways are better, his ways are sure, and if we will allow him to lead us and guide us, it will be much better for us. So your flesh man really gets upset at these ideas because he wants to take the good job that God gave you and run with it he wants to take the family that God gave you and run with it he wants to take the finances that God gives you and run with it he has plans for everything that God has plans for in your life so that's where the offense comes from he's ticked off that he has to sit on the sidelines and let God lead you and guide you that's why when time goes by and you haven't received 
the manifestation as we say you, you know, all the things we think we're waiting on as time goes by the old man starts picking at you nudging well, when is it going to happen when is it, you got this little animal inside of you gnawing at you all the time regarding time when is it going to happen ah well you know God's not going to do that he does that for those people over there but he won't do it for you who do you think you are sitting just sitting here waiting for God to do something we we can get out there and mess it up today. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we have to contend with. That part that is offended in us when we have to lay that down and live by faith. The world is offended by faith in God through Jesus Christ. So we have to know that that not only is your 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 outer man, your flesh man, he's offended, but also he comes into agreement with the world to be offended in through faith in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 11, it shows you what you're up against. Hebrews 11 and verse 7, we'll turn there. <clears throat> Heb eleven seven. It says by faith Noah being warned of God. Now this is the this is where the offense comes in. When God sends warning, how do we respond to it? We can either be offended by it or we can embrace it and accept it. As the word of the Lord to us. Because that warning comes to everybody. God's not going to tolerate this. You better repent and come under the authority of God. And under the protective covering of the Holy Spirit. That's basically what the warnings of God are about. And so we can take it as a friendly helpful thing. And and say, oh, I'm so thankful, God, thank you for letting me know that. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. Or we can get offended by it. And it will shock you that the majority of people are always offended by God's warnings. Why? Because it upsets their party. When God says it's time for you to get down to business and, and I want you to start praying more and I want you to give more time over to worshiping me and so forth and so on. Those are warnings that if you don't do that, there's something going to come up lacking in your life. God gives us words so we can obey them. Not so we can just sit there and listen and say, oh yeah, well that was good. Or we'll listen to a prophecy and pick it apart for the good stuff. And leave, you know, we take the, the cherries out and the, the whipped cream out and then we leave the rest of the plate. You got me? And so because of offense, we're upset that we can't have it our way. So your flesh man is always going to have that response to the word of God. And it's up to you as an overcomer to mount up in your spirit and say we're going to do this. <laughs> we're not, I'm thank you God, I thank you. You warned me and you told me what's expected. Now I can get about doing your will and have a safe passage across this this uh mean earth that we live in. And so he says here, by faith Noah in verse 7 being warned by God of things not yet seen. See, the fact that you don't see it and you don't believe it and you don't feel it is an offense to people. The fact that you can't validate by your flesh. Your flesh man hates that. 
hates not being able to see stuff, hates not being able to touch it, hates not able, well, how come I didn't know that? Or how did you find that out? You know, I would have people say that to me a lot when I was a young Christian. And God, I spent, I spent years in my Bible trying to get my mind healed. I wasn't thinking about church people. Yeah, and, and then when you get around church people, well, how did you know that? Well, how did I, so what do you mean, how did I know that? Like, um, like knowledge is off limits to certain people. And so you have to understand that when faith comes to people, that is the power of God to change things. And whenever the power of God comes to change things, the revelation from heaven it, the, it disturbs the atmosphere on the earth. And it will disturb everything that's connected to the earth and that includes our flesh man. It offends our flesh to hear of the invisible realm and what's going on in that realm as though we're supposed to know everything. And so that lack of knowing, ignorance, is always an embarrassment to people. It'll shock you the trouble people go through to cover up their lack of knowledge. You got me? It it just it's like this: the devil builds up education in people's ears as though it's the biggest thing in the world, but you don't get as much as you think you're supposed to get. Suppose God said you got as much as he wanted you to get. Are you going to be satisfied with that? Or are you going to be constantly feeling that you should or feel embarrassed because you didn't go. I didn't go to college. I, I had to do this. And I always making excuses for lack. But whose standard is that? I mean, who told you you had to have a certain ability, a certain level, a certain that nobody told you that that comes through us to us through standards in the world. And we don't live. Our kingdom is not of this world. So quit making excuses and trying to hide certain things that you think don't measure up. You understand what I'm saying? The freer we can get from things that offend, the more we can love God, the more we can trust God, the more God can help us, the more God can can do uh, to allow us the ability to come to him and trust him totally. Amen. So he says Noah was warned of things as yet not seen. This was future things. Amen. Things that would happen in the future. He was moved with fear. He was not offended. He was moved with fear. But everybody else was offended. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned or passed judgment on the world and became the heir of righteousness which is by faith. He and his family inherited the whole earth. Your faith will do that folks. You're no different than it's the faith of the son of God. That In fact our faith can do better things the Bible says than he, his could. But he passed judgment and condemned everybody who didn't believe died. And just he as the spokesperson for his household was saved. He and the things that he loved dearly were saved. God will never save you and strip you of everything that you love. You got me? He allows you to claim those things and hold on to them. 
Why? He put the love in your heart. Love will prevail over all things. You love people, you love the people that you love will go to heaven if you trust God. Amen? He wants that to happen. And so he puts us in a place oftentimes where we will have to fight the offense like Noah did. He believed and he was not offended. Amen? He was warned by God and feared. He took it seriously. And believed and took it to heart. But everybody else. Can you imagine having everybody that you know in the whole world is against you. Mocking you. Critical of you. Telling you you don't know what you're talking about. That thing's never going to work. That's never going to happen. That's never going to be true for you. But still you know in your heart God has told you. See the enemy tries to put that offense on us as well. Because the world's offended by what God's going to do. The world's offended by God's word. And so the enemy tries to put that on us as well. So don't ever let him talk you out of believing what God told you he, he's going to do for you. So Noah was warned of God of things had not yet seen. They hadn't happened yet. Which in many people interpret us to mean that it had never rained on the earth before. Because if it if, if it had been differently it might have been that it was easier for other people to believe so God is asking us many times to believe things that have never been seen before and so your faith will do that but somebody will be offended by what you believe man it comes with the territory the carnal man what he can't see he won't believe in what he can't see and feel he won't appreciate and so we have to understand that people will will uh offend be offended and sometimes they'll mock us and play games with us and pretend to be in faith for things and pretend to be believing and they don't really believe at all. They think it's a game. And see, that offends us. When we think about playing games with God, I mean, it's like, come on now, are you crazy? But yet you see people do it. They'll tell, they tell Christians all the time, oh yeah, you pray for me, and, and yeah, I believe God with you, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it push comes to shove, they cop out because they never were believing anyway and so we all learned that we learned how to just go pray for people when they get saved they'll be the first ones to come back and tell you amen but you don't have to try and pretend like they got saved when they prayed that fake prayer that they prayed with you so many years ago you got me and don't ever bank on that getting them to heaven save people act like you and me they talk like you and me They love God. They go to church. They do the things that are pleasing to God when they're saved. So until they get there, don't get comfortable thinking, well, you know, they, they were grew up in the church. Uh, uh, you keep praying for them because the devil's got them somewhere. He's got them trapped and he's got them uh, where they can waste their lives away doing nothing. So keep making the devil let them go. They will, if they confess Christ, they belong to Him, so you have authority to take authority over that, uh, you know, when they're not, uh, living up to where God wants them to live. So when faith is offered, do we pick up offense or do we believe? Very simple. So when faith is offered, how do you respond? Offense says, that's not necessary. It doesn't take all that. God doesn't care about these small things. You don't have to ask God every single little thing. 
Faith is looking for a way or through obstacles. So your faith is looking for a way to see that promise come to pass. And when obstacles come, they break through. Offense picks up the obstacle and embraces it and rejects faith in God. So they respond in different ways. I can always tell when somebody's in faith because when something comes up, they'll take a stand and refuse to move and expect that thing to move or God give them a word to plow through it. When they're not in faith, they start looking for their own answers to the problem. Faith looks for your own answer. It never takes a stand and expects God to move that thing for you. Uh, you can you can look at that. Look at your past week and think of the things that came as obstacles to you and your response to it. Did you ask God to remove that? Did you say, God, you told me I was going to receive this, that, and the other. I was going to do this, that, and the other. And I'm expecting you to come for me instead of searching through your mind, trying to find answers and figure things out. And You either trust God or you don't. You're in faith for the trust or you're offended. See, the offense, what offense really means is that uh, it represents a conflict in will. So offense is a conflict in will. For instance, say Mr. Gary and Miss Karen are planning their budget for the week. Um, Mr. Gary thinks they should spend $50. Miss Karen says let's do 40 So we got a conflict in wills. Amen. So somebody's going to be offended because they don't get their way. And that's what happens to us when we look at God's will. We want something. Our, we have a will to receive something. And if we don't really see that God can do that for us or we don't want to ask God or expect God to do it, then we're in conflict with his will. And so when you're in conflict, and if you don't embrace God's will, you will be offended by the will of God and, and wiggle out of it and do things your way. And then when that doesn't work, you, how many times do we do that? We come back later and we say, oh boy, I'm broke now and I didn't have this and I don't have God send me some more money. Well, think about last week when you were making plans for that. Did you include him in the plan? I mean, it's that simple, folks. And, and see, it shouldn't be a surprise to you that this happens more often than we want to admit it does. Huh? Like for instance, we'll, we'll, we'll tithe or give offerings or both. And then throughout the week, we think that 90%, we don't have to talk to God about it at all. Hmm? That's ours to spend because we already did what God wanted us. We gave him his. So get out of my face. I don't want you no more. You got yours. Go take it. and Do what you want to do with it. But this is mine. How many times do we allow him to plan every single thing? 
That's what faith people do. I was listening to Henry Groover and he was saying that when he and his wife, he said if, if he got an invitation to uh, go minister somewhere, he said the way he knew it was God. And this is what we have. See, this is trusting God, folks. This is something we don't do too often. You know, all we, well, he'd have to do that because he's a minister. No, it's for all believers. The justice for justified people. The just shall live by faith. And he said the way that they knew, he said he would pray and his wife would pray. And that they would know it was God if the money came. They And they would sit down and figure out how much money it would take to run their household in his absence so that everything ran right, he said, and if it came out, whatever it came out to, he said, if they got offerings in the ministry to that amount, he knew it was for him to go. Well, this worked like clockwork because this man went all over the world, walking and praying and walking and ministering to people, walking, leading people to the Lord, delivering people from witchcraft, all kinds of things. So not only was the money there, the power was there, the grace was there to get him from one country to the other with visas and passports and all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff worked out for them. Why? Because they trusted God and not themselves. Would you try and go and do all of that and supply the money yourself? You could never do it. The assignment of God comes with an obligation or necessity for God's power to get you through it. So you're going to have to have God's power to get through these things. But offense says it's not necessary. It's not necessary to pray about every penny you spend and how you spend it. We just, we just spend automatically. And we really shouldn't. We should put those things before the Lord. Now I do it just like you do. That's why I know it so well. You understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes when we're nervous about do we have enough, we'll kind of ask God a little bit. But God wants us to lean not to our own understanding at any time. So offense, when you're offended, you'll say, oh, you know, it's okay. God's a God, you know. But faith is looking for a way around trouble and obstacles. So plunging into it is no way to get around any problems and obstacles that may come up as a result of your believing. So offense picks up the obstacle and embraces it and rejects faith in God. So your faith is say for instance if, if your faith is offended uh, I give you a prime example when we say oh so you're seed for the conference it goes in in one ear and out the other most people don't even pay attention most people don't so or you'll go to them and say can you put something on this for your conference they're angry at you sometimes forever Sometimes for a short period of time. Why is that? Because to trust God is an offense to people. That their flesh doesn't want to be interrupted. And trust God. Your flesh wants to be in control all the time. huh? And then when it's conference time. They're scrambling trying to find the money. When God told you the way I provide is this way. I'd much rather pay my balance off a month ahead of time 
and have money for offerings. Then scramble at the last minute. And then when the offerings come during a conference, you're sitting up feeling embarrassed. See, that offense is going to come to you one way or the other about lack. That's what it is. It's lack. So it's the offense of lack is what what falls upon us. And we should not have to live that way. See, if you trust God, you you will say every day, Father, thank you. Bring the next installment for my conference money. See, what people do, they put a deposit and then they say, okay, I'll pay the balance on the day before, the week before. Well, maybe that's not what God wants you to do. What you need to say is, God, just let me know the next time I have conference money pointed out to me that I put this amount toward that. And let God be engaged in your life all the time. See, our our goal is to get him out of our business. And so as much as we can work toward that, we do it. Okay, I'm going to throw the seed down there. But I'm still going to do it my way myself. That's what we say on the inside. Because you don't want to be interrupted in your way of thinking. God wants to interrupt your carnality with holiness, with justification, with righteousness, and with faith. So he wants you to show you the better way. And he's trying to do it in a way that's not, I mean, what what difference does it make how you pay your conference? Pay it God's way. So this isn't something that's earth shattering or highly embarrassing or even something anybody else knows about but you. But see, we get this impression that everybody's watching everything we do. And if I don't pay a whopping amount of money at one time, that makes me look bad. See, if I make small payments to God, it makes me look cheap and it makes me look I don't have no money. And I don't. And it's usually the people who are the brokest that are most offended by it. I wonder why that is. Don't shout me down, folks. Huh? See, we can, we can begin to do more for God if we'll follow it His way. For instance, if God puts extra money in your hands and, and He says, put that on your conference, put that on your conference, eventually you almost don't feel it where you just, when people, we have conferences coming up, people start sweating, they start carrying on, they start worrying, they start, how am I going to get this extra money? If it can be presented to you in a way where it's not a whopping amount of extra money, but it's a normal flow out of your your budget on a regular basis, how much easier would that be for us? You got me? God's trying to make it easy for you, not hard. I remember when we first started, everybody had a balance at conference time. And I said, God, how are we going to get beyond? He said, just keep telling. I've been telling people that with 20, 23 years now, and some people still don't do it. You need to humble yourself and do these things. Just try living by faith, just a little bit. And see if it doesn't get easier for you. It will get easier, trust me. You'll get used to it. It is the best way. It's different. It's foreign. It's not sweating and, and saying you can't do it and being fearful. How I we used to have people lying to people, can't go to conference this time. Why? So we had to scramble and people who were were givers would give and send them to the 
conference, you know, and they say, oh yeah, well, well when I get money out, it never happen. They never are able to help other people. Why? Because they don't do what, what's suggested to them. Nobody demands anything. We're just presenting to you God's way. It's up to you to take it or not to take it. So people sometimes feel it's important not to seek God's guidance. But then when they get lost or they can't afford it, they go, you know, the embarrassment that we think we're putting off, we're going to feel it anyway. It, you know, people are offended when they when they have to sow seed for something. You know, I'm a sow seed for the conference. That makes me look like I can't afford to go. So I'm not going to do it. Well, at the end of it, if you don't have it when it's time to go, if we tell you we don't make exceptions and we won't let you pay it later, then you, you're embarrassed anyway. So the embarrassment you're trying to avoid eventually falls on you in, in bigger measure. Because you won't let God's faith take over and help you to get things done. God means for us to accomplish much and you cannot do it fighting him and fighting faith. You can't do it. You're going to have to do it by faith. You're going to have to trust them. But trust God. Amen. So <clears throat> many times people think strength is weakness. Huh? When you decide you're going to do it your way and do it yourself, that's a show of weakness. That's not a show of strength. But we look at it the opposite way. We think, okay, if, if, if I put down five dollars toward the conference, oh, I can put down more than that. You know, we're always fighting this inner, this, this flesh man that wants to appear strong always wants to show up somehow. You got me? It's like anything that's suggested is wrong. If it's faith in God. Any show of faith in God is wrong because we want to correct it and show we got more faith. We can do more. We can do greater. We can do bigger. We can do better. Amen. Just like the extra dollar today in the offering for the breakthrough. I ask for a dollar just because that represents faith. Not because I didn't think anybody was so broke they didn't have another dollar. You got me? Um, it, you must, and see, the other thing that it proves to you as the giver is that you can always do more. Even though when we say do your best, if you got an extra dollar, you didn't do your best. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This is, this is to stretch your faith. It's to get you out of the realm of where you are, which everybody always feels like they need more money. I know I do. More opportunities to do things. All of that. We always are looking for increase. Which is not wrong. God put increase the desire for it. Be fruitful, multiply, increase, replenish, subdue. All of that that's in us. That will never go away. Some people refer to it as a desire to prosper, desire to succeed, desire to increase and multiply. But it's in every human being. And so this helps that. And it helps it from getting uh, tied down and frustrated 
in our day-to-day routine. You see what I'm saying? So we need ways to help ourselves come out of a rut in a routine because faith is always increasing. It always is. And we have a tendency in the natural to have this desire to just settle in. We don't want to push ourselves. We don't want to upset anything. I'm comfortable right here. Don't move me. I got my pillow under here, my remote over here, and my little drink over here. Don't move me. You understand what I'm saying? We don't want to be disturbed. Faith is always going to disturb us. You got me? It's always going to disturb your comfort zone. So just get used to it. God's going to require more because his kingdom is ever expanding and increasing. Amen? So, you know, many times we'll rationalize our disobedience by saying, I don't need God in every little thing. I only need help now and then. Like that makes us better than the next person who's always on their knees asking God for something. So this is a a fallacy and it's a common way of thinking. And offense is what causes this. See, the spirit of offense causes us to think this way. Matthew 11.6 Jesus said Blessed is he who is not offended in me. And what were the circumstances here? We'll turn to it. This was John the Baptist. John had been thrown into prison and was, uh, you know, he was slated to be beheaded, but, you know, he's, I'm not sure how long he had been in prison at this time. Verse 1, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you he that should come or do we look for another? Amen. Jesus answered and said to him, Go and show John again those things which you do hear, hear, do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the uh, poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, People will say things, oh John, he lost faith in Jesus and he's, you know, all this. But John was sick of being in jail, just like you would be. John was asking his cousin, cuz, when you gonna come get me out of jail, cuz? You got me? So that's why he challenged Jesus on the level of Power. Hmm? Are you the one or do we look for another? In other words, because you can do everything. You got all power. Show me some of your power because I'm sitting here in prison and I need to get out. And Jesus let John know I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And you will be blessed if you hold on and not be offended in me. You got me? In other words, don't be offended at Jesus if he's not your servant catering to every whim. 
doing everything you need to have done for you. And because you don't get it done when you want it done. It's easy to pick up offense at the works of God and he's doing his will in your life. John the Baptist, you know, you got to watch your your mouth when you have power on your words. He was a prophet. And what did he say before he went to jail? He said, I must decrease while he must increase. So this is the ultimate decrease. I mean, you won't even be here no more. You understand what I'm saying? So it was already set that this is how John was going to be martyred. Well, that's why we got the Baptist denomination now, folks. Everybody lifts up John the Baptist for that reason. Amen. So, so we, we have to understand that offense will cause us to smart at the will of God when God, you know, sometimes you'll see, like, and this is true for people sometimes who have to take them a while to get their healing totally. They'll look at Everybody else getting healed, come up to the altar, don't have pain, and nobody's going through what I'm going through kind of thing. Same thing here. You have to be careful not to be offended when in comparing yourself to other people. Number one, you can't compare yourself to somebody else. But it's human. The natural man looks around at natural things to decide how he's doing, you know. And so we must be careful not to be offended in God and things like this. Luke 17, um, thank you Jesus. Yeah, Jesus also said that offenses would come to those who follow him. So you're following him, amen, because you're using his faith and he wants us to use it all the time. Luke 17, 1, Jesus said that offenses will come. Just make sure you're not the cause of them. In other words, you're not uh, balking at God because of what he's requiring you to do. Luke 17 and verse 1. Then Jesus said to his disciple, it, disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. For it was better that a millstone be hanged around his neck and he cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day return to you and said, I repent and you shall forgive him. So, and then the apostles said, everybody got convicted and said, Lord, increase our faith because everybody was mad at somebody because of what they had done to him. You see what I'm saying? They think it's, they gonna make, they gonna make it Jesus' responsibility to tell them, help them to do this, you know, which it was. Uh, and you have to realize too, he had not yet gone to the cross, ascended into heaven. Cause it, when, after his ascension, that ability was imparted to us to just forgive on demand. Forgive is a matter of will. And so that, that impartation of the Holy Spirit you receive when you're born again. The Bethany experience. That is what allows us to freely forgive people. Amen. Uh, whether they repent or not. You got me? You, you just forgive them. This was under the old Jewish law. You know, your, your brother would be forgiven if he came to you offering peace. So, alright. So Jesus taught about the offense that he, that would, 
would come to his followers. So offenses will come, but woe to you through who they come. So you can't just be a person who runs around hurting people, offending people, and saying, forgive me, and just keep doing it. And and that's not possible anyway under the new covenant. The Holy Spirit will nag your conscience about that. You got me? That's why it's not good to try to beat people over the head about their behavior. You know, I mean, seriously. Because that is a personal matter between them and God. Now, sometimes if you're an authority, if you're a parent, you're a pastor, somebody like that, you need to counsel people that that there is a way for them to live submitted to God and at peace with all their brethren and usually it's just teach people to keep short accounts with God you know don't try to duck out of responsibility for your sin you know you can be responsible for what you do wrong but take it to the Lord uh in prayer I, I remember I was speaking to the Lord about this it's been some years ago about offense and and because church people tend to just look for things wrong about each other for some reason it's just always nitpicking and you know you just can't come in and have a good time with people and you know we forgive each other i mean you got fleas i got fleas if we don't pick each other's fleas we won't even have to interrupt life you know just trust God with people. He's, he's working on them. He, he's working. See, the thing to me it is, it's a distraction because as much as you're focusing on somebody else's faults, you lose sight of what you do. So then your, your account gets longer. You know, your list gets longer and pretty soon you don't even want to admit you're wrong anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. So, so it's best to just take care of your little household, you know, and do what God tells you to do and, and don't worry about people and their walk with God, you know. Now there are some times where you can get people who are so bad in a church they upset everything, you know, but you don't get in a corner with the people they don't like. And start to build up some kind of resistance movement against you help people. You know, sometimes people are going through very difficult times and that's no excuse, but we all go through them. Amen. And you want to be helped to walk more in the spirit and have things pointed out to you, but you can't hammer people every time you see them about their bad behavior. That's not your job. And so Jesus was saying, woe to him through whom offenses come. In other words, forget about your neighbor. Take care of you. Amen. And so I remember talking to the Lord about it. I said, God, why is it people don't like to admit their their faults? I said, me included, but you know, I need to get some understanding. And he said, people don't realize how much they detest the burden of sin. He said, if you understood how much of a burden sin is to you, you will be quick to repent. He said, if you're slow to repent, you take on the burden of your own sin and you have to walk around with that burden. And that's why people are are reluctant to admit anything because the burden's so heavy, they feel more condemned if somebody points it out to them. You understand what I'm saying? And so he showed me, he said, it's like this. He said, if you if you embrace what you do wrong, 
He said, just own it. He said, carry it long enough to give it to me. He said, most people carry their sins. When they don't want to confess them, they have retained them. And the more you retain, the heavier it gets and the more sensitive to you are about the weight of it. Got me? It's like if, if Mr. Gary, if I gave you a 50 pound sack of potatoes and we added five pounds every minute, that thing gets so heavy you can't carry it anymore. He said, and that's what people do to themselves with sin. He said, because you don't confess it, you don't realize that I only expect you to feel the weight of it long enough for conviction to take place and you say, God, please forgive me and I release it from you. And you're free to go about your life unburdened. And that's what God intends for us. He said, but by not confessing it and owning it, you retain it. So every time you think about it, it gets heavier. Anybody ever been there? You do something wrong. You wish you hadn't done it. Instead of saying, God, please forgive me. You keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. You feel bad. You get around the person and you want to run away from them. All that nonsense. That's what sinners do. God saved you from that. He saved me from that. And you go to him privately and say, God, please forgive me for that. And you know, God, if I need to, let me go to that person. Open the door for me to talk to them about it and 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 ask them to forgive me so we can live in harmony. Easiest thing in the world to do, but man, is it tough for us. We'd rather pretend we don't do anything. We get defensive. We want to argue with people. Some people can't own anything wrong. Even after they're saved. And they've got so much guilt and condemnation piled up from so many years. It'll probably take a deathbed to get them free from that. Because many people don't want to get, want their conscience purged until they're really, really sick. We're really at the end of life. That's why you see so many people at the end of their lives get very sick and go downhill. Because they've been not keeping short accounts with God. It's best to live for God. Keep short accounts so you can live free of all this nonsense that Jesus set you free from. If you are free, act like a free person. If you're free, live like a free person. If you're free, don't be a hypocrite. Ask God, how do I live free, God? I've got a habit now of, of defending myself when I do wrong. I quit doing that. You know, well, I was, you know, I did this and I did, and this happened to me and that happened to me. And, and you know, God told me something different about that. And I, oh, brother, here we go. You know, let's just cut it out. Live free. You're free, act like it. So, Mark 4.17, in the parable about the, the seed and the sower, talks about why the word doesn't grow in people. And this is very interesting and it's tied to offense. In Mark 4, Start in verse 13. He said, don't you know this parable? If you don't know this, how will you know all of them? So this one's foundational. You got to know that. You got to learn this. He said, the sower sows the word. The word is the foundation of everything in your life. 
And these that are by the wayside where the word was sown. But when they have heard Satan comes immediately and takes the word away that was sown in their hearts. And that is so common. You can you can have a good sermon in here and then, you know, get out in in your car and and you know your mind start flipping or the devil starts telling you crazy stuff or something like that and it's taken away. I remember people pastors used to give the the sermon about roast pastor, you know, how many how many different ways can you cook a pastor uh, after the Sunday sermon. And some people have fried pastor. They just, you know, talk about how bad the sermon was and fry him to pieces. Then you have roast pastor. You gotta cook him to death and all that kind of stuff. Because people traditionally, when they hear a sermon that challenges them, if you find somebody that you can critique it, we're so used to giving our opinions, and instead of going shaking the man of God's hand and saying thank you for that word. It was really helped me today. We'll go out and critique it with somebody and tear it down. Oh the pastor wasn't on their game today. And you know he's always talking about that stuff. And he must have problems himself. And I have a, that kind of thing. And so the more that we can, can um, avoid the enemy taking it immediately when it's sown. It'll take root better. And I can remember people who would, you know, on the way home, uh, I remember riding in a car with a group of women and, and, uh, you know, I would listen to them talk and, you know, everybody would be encouraging and one person would have something negative to say and they'd take, dominate the whole conversation. You know, it's interesting. You find out how, how much warfare there is over God's word. When you, you get around his people. You got me? And so he says, so's the word. Those who were, uh, uh, so Satan comes immediately. That's the ones by the wayside. These are they likewise that were sown on stony ground. Who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. Ooh, that word was good. But if you don't have root in your, if you don't let the word take root. Amen. So it's a way to get excited about the word. That's why you don't see people change from week to week. They get excited about the word and then something happens and then they're offended and the word never takes root. And so that's what he's talking about here. They have no root in themselves and they endure for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. Now this is why, to me, this is the problem with people who have what they call church hurt and leave a church or go from church to church and never get settled anywhere and never grow. Because they uh, something happens to disappoint them in God and then they wipe the whole thing. Everything else you learned all these years that helped you all these years is gone. Because you didn't really have it planted in your heart. That's why when I pray for prayer for backsliders, you know, it's to help people to lock in. In other words, let the word get root in these people so they won't be so quick to get offended when so see a lot of times people are doing the word wrong because it's not planted in their hearts right anyway. And then they'll go along for many years doing the word wrong and seeing no results. And instead of saying, God, what's wrong with me? 
There's nothing wrong with God. It's got to be in the way you're applying it. They, oh, I've been in church too long. Couldn't be anything wrong with it. I know it's not my fault. Because I've been doing this, been doing that. Been... Well, you never let it get in your heart. You never opened up your heart to receive the word. The best way to, to open your heart to receive the word is to make up your mind to be a doer. Once you're a doer, then you'll see results. But if you're just sitting there listening from sermon to sermon and storing it up and trying to decide when you're going to get up and do something God tells you to do. Or you do everything by works. You're a hard worker in the church. But in your heart, you don't, there's no change. You don't meditate on the words. Your mind's not renewed. You've got the same carnal mind you had day one. It never took root in you. So this is something you really have to work at to, to get away from offense because of the word. Then all of a sudden everybody in the church that was your friend, now they're your enemies. Out of nowhere. It's because the word never took root in your heart. So <clears throat> Matthew twenty six thirty one. This is Jesus before he went to the cross. And this was prophesied that nobody would stand with him. Jesus said to them, And all you shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. Man. And so uh, offending, offended really means they didn't want to follow Jesus. They, they quit letting their faith work to follow the Lord. So when, when you need to know when people are offended, they have stopped living by faith. In fact, many of them haven't. They, they're like, you know, Christians that drop in when they have a problem. That's when their faith shows up, when there's trouble. And they don't think about living by faith every day, even though we say we do it. They don't have no, they have no clue what that means. Uh, Mark 6, 3 to 5. Offense will hinder your faith. Mark chapter 6. He went from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. So this is the hometown. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where does he get all these sayings from? What wisdom is this that is given to him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? People say that to you when they don't think much of you. You got me? He's And is this not the carpenter's son, Mary, and, and brothers, you know, all them family members and hometown people? Are they not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, his own household. You going to get the worst trouble from familiar people. And he could not there do. That's why it's good to ask God to send laborers to witness to your family. Don't feel bad about it. God, I can't get through to him. Send somebody. And he could do no mighty works there. So here we go. Offense shorts out the power of God. Many times when people cannot receive the word of God is because they're offended either at the message, the speaker, the way the building looks, the way you know you do things. Something turns them off. We say turned off, but it's offense. Amen. I always say this. 
whoever God sends is got to be the right person because sometimes you have so many things that offend people in the natural. You know what I'm saying? It kind of weeds out the wrong people for you inadvertently, you know. Many times people want everything pleasant to the eye, but there's no depth of God there. So it's best to keep believing God. Keep allowing God to do the things, deposit the things in you he wants to deposit. So the flow of God's power was hindered because of their unbelief which came through offense. They didn't, they thought Jesus was supposed to act like a hometown boy and not command respect. And God can't use you because you grew up next door to me. Amen. Amen. So God hates offense and he gives the remedy to repent and humble ourselves to him. The Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another and pray one for another instead of trying to hide them from your neighbor and pretend you have no needs. Guard your heart with all diligence. See, this is why we have you praying pairs here. And don't get goofy about the prayer. You need to keep your heart open to another person hearing you speak the word. Another person asking you, do we need to pray for you anything this week? Another per- You understand what I'm saying? You need to keep your heart open to that. Not because of telling people your business. You have none. As long as the Holy Spirit's around, nobody has any business. Or you can tell anybody anything he wants to tell them about you. He doesn't do it to hurt you. He'll do it to help you though. Why, why do you think we have prophecy lines? So God can tell people things about you and you can hear them. We are to guard our hearts diligently against offense. You are required to live a life of faith in God if you have been justified by his blood. That shed blood compels us to follow his law in every area. Amen. Do not be offended that God wants to control your life. Amen. Sometimes we lack wisdom in things. Wisdom is the principal thing, not your obedience. Amen. Sometimes we think if we obey certain scriptures, that means we got it down pat. But after your obedience has wisdom, comes wisdom to know how to carry out the instructions of God. So we're continually in need of God's leadership, of His, um, uh, of His power, of everything that God has to offer us. And so don't ever withdraw your faith from God. Because you're offended that he tells you to do things his way. We have to stay humble to him. Because those things that can take over your life so quickly. And you wonder why nothing's working. And and then we can look back and say you know what. I stepped out and did this and I never consulted God's word. I didn't wait for the leading for scripture. And Nobody has to wait for a prophecy every time they need to do something. But you do need to wait on the leading of God. Amen. So keep him involved in all things. Keep him in charge of things. Don't move him out of the way. Because you're feeling real, you know, cocky. Like you did your, I did what I was supposed to do. And the rest is up to me. I can do things the way I want to do them. So just allow God. 
to orchestrate your life as much as he wants to and things will be fine. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the blessing of faith. And we can only use it if we use it according to your will and your word. So we thank you, Lord, for enlightening us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer.